Have you ever wondered how to make a shrunken head? Or why there was a cat floating up in space in 1963? Or just what it takes for a monkey to become an astronaut? Did you know that a snarky swearing parrot ruined Andrew Jackson's funeral? And that a crew of 28 explorers drifted lost on the ice floes of Antarctica for two years during World War I? And why does fruitcake exist? If you want to excavate through the deepest primordial interiors of the human experience, reach back into time and find the stories that connect all of us to a place where real history is woven with storytelling that brings the past back to life, then come visit the History Cache podcast for some exhaustively researched historical narrative that just might inspire you to make your own history. That's Cache spelled C-A-C-H-E. It's history better than fiction. A podcast crafted for the most curious of minds. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Better Than Robin Hood. I am Pete Langhope. I am Fran Langhout. You are, you're very smiley today, glad to hear it. I don't know why it always makes me laugh when I say that. <laughs> well, as always, despite the ongoing crisis, we are at our important work here, trying we to are. find a film that is better than Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. And this week we turned to Disney Plus to look for a film on there. And uh, Slim, wish, wish we, uh... <laughs> Slim Pickens, I must yeah. say, yeah. Unless you like proper Disney. Well, yeah. If you want to watch loads of cartoons and Marvel yeah. movies, then you're laughing. Maybe you... we should do Snow White next time. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but we did find a film called The Black Hole from 1978, and what a film that was! We'll be talking about that shortly. And as promised last week, I have used Masterpiece Generator to write a movie script that features Sean Connery and Michael Caine. Oh, for you? Yeah. All right. It's very easy because Masterpiece Generator does all the work. So as a Masterpiece Generator is, of course, a piece of software that generates stories and dialogue for you, the lazy writer. So that you, yeah, so that. So that will play after our movie chats, although we do have a couple of other things to do first. Cool. What have you been up to this week, Fran? Um, I've been doing a lot of sunbathing. Mm-hmm. Reading a book. I finished my book now. OMG. And the man did not kill her sister. <laughs> Would you like to review the book? Friends Book Review. Uh, I can't remember what it's called <laughs> Oh, I can't remember what it's called now. Isn't it called Ghost Children? Ghost Papers, that's Ghost it. Ghost Papers, yeah. Basically, this dude's, um, this late, this young girl's sister goes missing. And um, mm. it's not the bloke who she thought it was, who she kidnaps. Oh, and, right. But he does kill other women. Oh. So. It's not a review, you just told everyone what happens. Oh. Who's it it's by? It's a good book. <laughs> oh, I can't remember. Has a superb book review there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ghost Papers, everyone. Go check that out. Yeah. Friends Book Review. Well, I've been off this week, so I've not been up to much We've at all. We've had a lovely time, haven't we? We have. Lots of sunbathing. Yeah. Yeah, but as of course the ongoing crisis means there's still a lot of issues with food at the moment. There's shortages and panic buying, etc. So the BBC have commissioned Jamie Oliver to do a daily uh, show about food, 
and to show us all how to cook with our limited supplies. And uh, fortunately, we got a little sneak preview of what Jamie's uh, been doing, and we thought we'd add that into the food section. So isn't uh, his stuff like really that. like random as well though? His pantry's like the size of someone's house, isn't it? Well, yeah, but. Let's see what he's doing on the show, because this is specifically for limited budgets and limited supplies. Right, okay, let's see then. So let's play that food section intro. <laughs> it's the food section. Can find some, find famine things, breathe, boil some water, and make you some pasta. Pasta for my tea, if you can find some, add some cold water to cool down my tongue. There's lots of shortage, shortage of salad. So boil some water and make you some pasta. <laughs> it's the food section. was Jamie's song. Wow. It was nice, wasn't it? It was very nice. It's a shame a lot of people probably haven't got pasta. Well, Jamie's got some. Well, he's got everything, isn't he? Yeah, he's got lots of pasta. Yeah. So, I bet his... What do they call it? Larder? Larder. is full to the brim. His reserves are stocked. He's yeah. probably got lots of pasta left over from his chain of Italian restaurants that went bust. Oh, yeah. He's storing it all at home, isn't he? Might as well. Don't well, want yeah. to go to waste, do you? Should never waste food because you never know when a crisis might occur, like now. Exactly. And that's the food section. So I hope you enjoyed that. I did. Good. So, time to talk about the black hole. Oh. It's from 1979. It was produced by the Walt Disney Company. It has a 42% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 49% audience score. That's quite high, I thought. Yeah, it was directed by Gary Nelson, who directed the original Freaky Friday, and his last cinematic movie was Alan Quatermain and the Lost City of Gold, a canon movie. Absolutely I've never brilliant. seen that. They've got um, Sharon Stone in. Oh. Yeah, not too shabby. He also directed a film called The Boy Who Talked to Badgers, which I really want to see. <laughs> and uh, he's also worked in numerous TV movies and TV series. The last thing he worked on was in the year 2000. And he worked on a show called Early Edition. I've is... never seen that. I remember Early Edition. It was about a man in Chicago who got the following day's paper like on the day so he could see into the future. Oh. And he had to stop things from happening. Oh, wow. It was pretty damn good, actually. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it stars Maximilian Schell, who won Best Actor in 1961 for Judgment at Nuremberg, which is a really good movie, if you ever want to watch that. Is he the chap who does, like... I've definitely seen yeah, his the face main, before. the main guy. The guy the, the guy's really scientist. cool. Yeah. Uh, and stars Anthony Perkins, of course, from Psycho. 
Norman oh, Bates. Yes. Robert Forster, who was the ship captain. Yes. Yeah. And Ernest Borgnine, who was Harry. What is the lady's name? Because it wasn't listed on the names of the stars. Oh. Yeah. I feel bad for her. That's 1979 for you. <laughs> yeah. It was considered by many to be a Star Wars ripoff, but it had in fact been in development for some time, and if you watch the movie, it's nothing like Star Wars. <laughs> it's definitely not like yeah. Star Wars. It was originally designed to be a disaster movie, much like the Poseidon Adventure or the Towering Inferno, but yeah. Disney stepped in to make it more of an adventure movie, which is of course their staple. Uh, it was released to compete with Star Trek, the motion picture, and they're quite similar, um, which had in turn been rushed out to compete with Star Wars, even though Star Trek is nothing like Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, it was the first Disney film to be rated PG, because it's got a few bits of strong language, like damn and hell, things like that. Oh, yeah. And also, a man is killed with a food mixer. <laughs> oh yeah, the little robot. Yeah, poor Anthony Perkins gets killed with a food mixer. Yeah. I don't understand how he doesn't just step back though. Yeah, you're picking logic holes in the movie. <laughs> okay then. The film made a small profit, but not very much, and received a pretty lukewarm, uh, a lukewarm reception from reviewers. Gene Siskel called it dull. Mm, I have to agree with him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Whose voice are you doing there? <laughs> the Muppets. I don't know who from the Muppets. Well, if you're going to be a Muppet reviewer, you'd have to be uh, Waldorf and Studler, wouldn't you? I don't know who that is. Boo! I hated it. Oh, right. Yeah. The synopsis of the movie says, The USS Cygnus is perched precariously at the edge of a black hole. The vast, empty nothingness where space and time end. Anything that crosses its border enters a universe of the complete unknown. In this story of genius robots and mad humanoids, audiences take a spectacular descent into nature's ultimate mystery, the black hole. How would you describe it, Fran? I would not describe it like that. All right. (laughs) (laughs) So, I don't want to be too harsh, but I was very bored. Were you? Yeah. I was on my phone pretty much. Well, that's the problem. You're supposed to watch it. 85% of it. You were on your phone during Jamie's song as well. I think you need to be weaned off your phone. No. (laughs) So what happens in the movie? So, these scientists made up of one lady. (laughs) One lady. One lady. One token lady. She's very important to the story. She is very important. Her dad obviously went into space 20 years before she did. Yep. And obviously she's following in his footsteps, which is great, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And uh, she basically joins this team and they all go off into space to do something. I can't remember what they're doing. <laughs> they're looking for life, basically. Yeah. yeah. And they stumble upon this spaceship that went into space 20 years ago and her dad was meant to be on it. But mm-hmm. I like the way... Oh, we'll get into that. Mm-hmm. The way they um, basically figure out what spaceship it is. They've got loads of <laughs> prototypes, and when it's the right one, it obviously flashes red. Yeah, they've got pic- pictures of old spaceships, and then they go through them until they find the right one. I yeah. think that's very clever. It's like a fingerprint. Yeah, well, it just matches the shape. Yeah. yeah, I thought it was quite good. It's not very high tech, but no. it works. Very effective. But um, yeah, so they end up finding this ship, mm-hmm. and um, they go in and take a closer look, and obviously nothing happens. 
Yeah. And then they decide to to obviously dock onto the spaceship, mm-hmm. and then it lights up. Ooh. And there's basically there's Dude on there. Mm-hmm. What's his name again? <laughs> the main guy. I've genuinely oh. forgotten. <laughs> Maximilian. Well, yeah, Maximilian Charles, the actor's name. He's like some uh, doctor. Let's call do- him. We'll do- call him Doctor Sh- Doctor Weirdo. We'll call him Doctor Weirdo. Yeah, he basically mm. is on there. And he is still alive, mm-hmm. but he has been evil and turned all his crew into humanoid half robots, human half mm. robot people. And um, the face of one of them is disgusting. Yeah. But um, yeah, so basically, they think he's all nice, and then he's not. He basically has gone a little bit crazy. I'd say fully over the edge. And wants to go into the black hole. Mm. No, I'm all for that. Mm-hmm. But not when you've decided to kill half your crew, no. well, all your crew, to mm. do that. When you were told to come back to the earth. Mm. And, exactly. Uh, yeah. I have a funny feeling the girl's dad obviously didn't want him to. Mm. And uh, that's why he's not around anymore. Yeah. Well, he so, just mentioned that, yeah, he tried to take control of the ship and yeah. was killed. And then they killed him. Mm. But, uh,. Yeah, so they obviously find out he's not such a good bloke. No. And um, in the end, he decides I'm going to go into the black hole anyway. Yeah. And they try and get away. One of them, cowardly man he is, yeah. leaves them to die. And then he gets killed himself. So yeah. I say good riddance to that. Fuck's sake, Ernest Borgnine. But they end up getting on another ship, don't they? And there's yeah. a meteorite thing that <laughs> yeah. goes on. And I was like, there's holes in the ship everywhere, but nobody seems to be getting sucked out. Someone does get sucked out. No, but the little dude goes and fetches him, the little robot. Yeah. Gets him. Apparently you can just be in space, floating and, around with yeah. no breathing apparatus. Yeah, I thought that. Yeah. 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 But anyway, um, they all get on a little spaceship and uh, manage to get away. They do. They lose a few of the crew along the way. Yeah. We'll discuss that because I thought most of the deaths were handled very, very well. Well, it's only nine. Was it 1979? 78, yeah. 79, you It does say 79. 78, 79. <laughs> One of the two. One of the two. Look it up. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> it was in the 70s. <laughs> um, yeah, you can't oh. be too gruesome on those sorts well, no, of Plus, it's a Disney movie, so you're never going to get any hardcore. Gore. It's not gonna be like Saw. No, because that Disney make movies for the family. For the family, yes. yes. I do think kids would be very into this film. No, I think they'd be horribly bored. However, this was um, this was what spurred them on to create Touchstone, which was their arm of arm of Disney that made movies uh, for adults. Yeah, yeah, who made lots of good films. Um, they have made lots of good films, yeah, and I like a lot of them. So, yeah, who knew? That's what triggered it, because they made a bit of money, and they went, if we did this properly, and made it a fully adult movie, yeah. we could have made more money, probably. Yeah, there's loads of Touchstone films out oh, there. Oh, yeah, Touchstone went for years and years and years. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Cool. So, that's the plot. I. Uh, but we don't actually know if they all get home, you see. We don't, but it's implied, I think. All oh, right. The ones that survived made it back home. Yeah, because you see them, like, shooting off back into space. Yeah. Mm. I want to say they survived. I do. I like a happy ending. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I've sort of gone back. I've reverted a bit back to my old system. I've made a good and a bad list of things. Because 
there wasn't a lot to talk about in the film. Your good list is longer than your bad list. Yeah, I liked this film. I liked it quite a lot. However, it is a little slow and it doesn't hasn't aged very well. No. Um, but, however, the music at the beginning and throughout by John Barry is bloody phenomenal. I have I to think. say, yeah, I didn't had really notice the, the yeah, music. Had one of the best scores I've heard in a film in a long time, probably since Star Wars. So that's a good thing. And also, there's a man in it called Joseph Bottoms. <laughs> yeah. And that's a funny name to see on the screen, isn't it? It is, yeah. Which is always nice. <laughs> so let's have some bads. There's a robot in it called Vincent. And he looks like he's been made out of a Henry Hoover. Yes, he yeah. does. And he's red. Yeah, well, exactly like a Henry Hoover. His eyes yeah. look like a Henry Hoover. His body looks like a Henry Hoover. And he's Hoover. got these little arms that come out and spin at you. Yeah, he's got laser guns and all sorts. Yeah, at he's first, well equipped. Yeah. I mean, I say at first, when they're all on the, their own spaceship, I thought Vincent was annoying and a bit shit. But as the film progresses, you realise how cool Vincent is. And in the end, he saves the day. Yes. Yes. So Vincent is perhaps my favourite character. Although I did like Bob, who's an exactly the same kind of robot as him. But, but he's been living on the... A series, couple yeah, of series behind. On the Cygnus, and he's been beaten up, and there's all bits hanging off him and stuff. Yeah, bless him. And he speaks with a country accent, which I really <laughs> enjoyed. <laughs> he's probably from Texas. Vincent speaks with just a normal robot voice, and he's yeah. like, hello, I'm Vincent, like that. And, uh, but yeah, the other one's got a yeehaw like a cowboy mm. voice. So I, I like that. It. Yeah. Um, yeah. At one point, Vincent's trying to repair their ship, and he comes out, and you can see the string holding him in. And I'm like, ha! Stupid 1978 movie with updated graphics. I can see the string. And uh, yeah, he's, he's supposed to be on a string. He is meant to be on a string. That's part of the tension. I that's, knew that. That string snaps at some point. At one point, and it's very exciting. So. Stupid me for saying that. Yes. Mm. Yeah, so every now and then there's like a ship will crash or there's a fight or something like that. And it's so slow. I know. (laughs) Like nothing happens quickly at all. Nothing happens for ages. (laughs) Yeah, and when it does happen, it's just everything's slow. I know like things don't really go zooming about in space. No, but when they obviously find this Mm. ship, it probably takes them a good 25 minutes Mm. to like decide what they're going to do. Yeah, and you can make stuff like that interesting. Like space travel is quite dull, really. Things move quite slowly and like just sort of shoot about. Well, yeah, because you're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, and there isn't a lot going on. But, like, Apollo 13 is very exciting. I think Star Trek, the new ones, are very exciting. Well, they're all zipping about, though, aren't they? There's yeah. loads going on in those. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> in this, not so much. No. Not so much at all. You uh, grow tired of the... Ca- I grew tired of the characters. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's, like, quite a lot of philosophical debate, though, isn't there, about going through the black hole and things like that. Yes. That's exciting. And there's a robot shooting match. Yes, I like that bit. Vincent has a shooting match with another robot. Oh, yeah, he's the the older version of Maximus. Yes. Yes, he's the other bad robot. They, like, play a little sort of computer game, don't they? Yes. Yeah. I think I may have got Maximus and Vincent mixed up at the beginning. (laughs) It's okay. But... Maximus is the one with the spindly arms that kills people. Yeah, Maximilian was actually his name. Yeah, yeah he's, he's a, horrible. He's like an evil robot who lives on the ship. Yeah, he's not very nice. Yeah, 
And see, bit of, good bit of script writing because initially him and Vincent are about to have a fight when they get on the ship. And the evil scientist, what are we call him, Dr. Weirdo. Dr. Weirdo. Dr. Weirdo says, ah, it is like David and Goliath. <laughs> Only Goliath would win this time. <laughs> and then at the end, they have a fight. And guess who wins? Vincent kicks his ass. Yes, little David wins. And David wins again, yeah, so in his face. The robots are hilarious. I think they're really good. They're like, and the people who move in them are very good. Yeah, they're like sentry robots and these humanoid robots that move like robots doing yeah. the robot dance. But yeah, when they're in gunfights, it's not very exciting because they don't move very much. No. And at one point when they're all getting shot and they're falling off a bridge, you can just tell that they're toys. <laughs> Someone's yeah. just knocking over. Yeah, <laughs> poking them with a stick. Yeah, it's uh, then exactly like they're a good prop but not good for action scenes. They should have had a different kind of robot that was, like, for fighting. Yeah, but this is 1979. Yes, and in Star Wars, what did they do? Instead of having, like, sentry robots, they just had guys in armour running around and all the gunfights were really exciting. Yes. And we also discussed this film cost twice as much to make as Star Wars. It is nowhere near as exciting. Yeah, but it's 1979. And the effects don't look as good. (laughs) Star Wars effects... Still hold up, I think, from the original movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But that's because you're a Star Wars fan. Well, it's just because they did a lot more work. (laughs) They put a lot more craft into it. I think that this is a very boring, robot-y film. Yeah. But I did still kind of like it. And... I really liked the control room set they had because there's loads of like. Which one on the little ship or the big ship? The big ship. Oh, it's beautiful, yeah, wasn't they had it? All these creepy. That's what they spent all their bloody money on. Creepy robots like operating things, and they're all in shadow, and then there's mm. big bright planets and the black hole in the background. It looks yeah. really, really good. Mm. Yeah, so a lot of work went into that kind pleasing. of thing. Definitely, and I kind of liked the ship as well. It's like it'd be all sort of spaceshipy at one point. Yeah. And you'd go into Dr. Weirdo's room and it was like a old country house and things like that. And yeah. a garden, isn't there? Yeah. That's a good set. Yeah. I thought it, a lot of work went into it, but just missed the mark maybe a little bit. What else happens? There's the least interesting fight scene of all time, as I mentioned. A lot of bit when they're trying to save the lady from getting her brain. Oh, yeah, where well, she's yeah. in tinfoil. The music does. <laughs> she was just, her head's just covered in tinfoil. Uh, yeah, and then... There's a really, really slow fight that happens. Oh, yeah. yeah. And the music's all wrong for it. It's like like the Black Beauty theme tune playing over a fight scene. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't right. <laughs> no, it was very odd. It made me think of mm. the fact that they were... It was just weird. Mm. Like they were meant to be there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it feels like a scene that didn't quite work and they just put it in anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Although the human robot slaves, when Anthony Perkins takes off a mask of one of them, that is well creepy. Yeah, that and is very, creepy. very good. Anthony Perkins' death is also very, very good. I yes. Because he's like, for what you can do in a PG movie, they got over the fact that he'd basically had like a spinning food mixer shoved into his heart. Mm. Very, very effective. But like I said, he could have just stepped backwards. <laughs> he could have run away, probably. Yeah. But that robot looked like it had the potential to be fast. No. Then where can you run? You're on a spaceship. Exactly. Eventually he'll catch you. Exactly. So you might as well just let him cut you to pieces. No, we have <laughs> chopped his arm off. Ah, <laughs> uh, what else? Yeah, so just as he's about to fly into the black hole... Yeah. 
And really unlucky, a meteorite shower happens. <laughs> Which is very funny. It's very unlucky. And yeah, it just destroys his uh, whole dream of going through the black There's hole. There's a whole meteor. Right, little rock. Not even little. That goes <laughs> yeah. right through the centre of the It moves the very aircraft. slowly. It's like the giant ball in Indiana Jones. I know. <laughs> I was like, they would be melted. It was a good shot, though. It was a good shot. It was like the sun was beaming. Yeah. It was like you were about to be swallowed up by a giant meteorite. It yeah. was pretty cool. And, uh, yeah, his death was a bit disappointing, Dr. Weirdo. Dr. Weirdo's killed, by, oh. essentially, by a telly falling on him. Yeah. Yeah. I was but, a bit bored by Yeah, he's like, oh, help me, robots. Death. I was like, why would they help you? They're your slaves. Yeah, and they've, yeah. obviously, you haven't trained them that well enough to have empathy. Didn't train them well enough to uh, pick you up if you ever got in trouble. No. So, arrogance. Serves you right, mister. Arrogance killed you, Dr. Weirdo. Yeah. Not and yes, your own hubris and theatrics <laughs> are what brought you down. Yeah. yeah. You deserve your shortfall. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What else happens? Ernest Borgnine betrays them. Harry, who's like a, I want to say he's a journalist. I think he was the like the space doctor, wasn't he? No, yeah. he can't. Have His been. role on the ship's like undefined. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's not a pilot. No. I think he does something with engines, but basically he rods them mm. off and saves his own skin. Yeah. But then he gets killed anyway. Yeah, he gets so... instantly killed. So, yeah, that's what you get for betraying. His own fault. I've mentioned the, the fight between Maximilian and Vincent, although it did remind me a bit of Robot Wars. Do you remember that show? Oh, I love Robot Wars. Because the concept of that sounds very exciting. Like, oh, it's two robots having a fight. Yeah, but, but it depends what kind of robots they are. In reality, most of the robots in Robot Wars are pretty uh, <laughs> unimpressive. Yeah. And both the robots in this film were more or less like robots from Robot Wars. And a lot of the robots in Robot Wars, like, they get put against a robot and they're mm. blatantly just going to be killed within two seconds. Yeah. I also thought the house robots were really unfair. Especially yeah. Sir, was it Sir Killalot, one of them yeah. was called. He was, like, ridiculously overpowered. Yeah. He had all the weapons. It wasn't very fair. No, I suppose that was kind of the point, but I still thought, like, these little nerds had been building this robot in their shed for ages. Go give him a fighting chance. Yeah, and I said, kill a lot, I'd like to tear it to pieces. And I. Yeah, really Poor unfair. Little robots. I should bring back Robot Wars. Why don't, where did it go? I think they did bring it back, but then people realised it was a bit shit. It was really yeah. exciting in the early 2000s. <laughs> <laughs> Nowadays, you're like, oh, yeah, um, it's just like a tea tray. Yeah. <laughs> On wheels. With a saw blade on the end of it. Yeah. Never mind. I watched it a couple of times. I mm. wouldn't say I was a fan. I used to watch it every week. Okay, then. Because you had Philippa Forrester. Oh, God. <laughs> That'd be why you he watched it, then. would interview the geeks. And she'd be all foxy. And they'd be, like, not interested in Philippa at all. Like, they wouldn't be. I've just been spending all my time building a robot in all my All I want to do is look at this robot. I love robots. <laughs> Philippa, do you like robots? Would you like to come and see my robot in my shed? And it would be an actual robot in the shed. It would be. Yeah. They'd poke his willy through. <laughs> no, he wouldn't. He wouldn't even be thinking about that, whoever that was. Um, poor Bob the robot is killed. The robot that goes, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I did feel bad for him because he'd tried his best for them, hadn't he? Yeah, but, but he was bound to die. Yeah, he died saving others, which is a noble death, and he will therefore take his place in Valhalla. 
So that's <laughs> no doubt they will forget <laughs> who he was. Um, and in the end, they end up going through the black hole themselves, don't they? They do. And it gets pretty fucking weird when that happens. They all go through like some sort of yeah. weird. They end up like hallucination. Yeah, they kind of hell. see hell, and then an angel comes. comes. And then they fly down a corridor, and there's loads spin of around, and yeah, that's... And yeah. how are they all seeing the same image? That's what I want to right. know. So on the other end of a black hole is hell, heaven, and a <laughs> corridor that looks like a Kate Bush video. Yeah. So that's that mystery taken care of. Lovely, I'm glad I don't have to go see a black hole then. So... <laughs> Yeah, so you've got Heaven and Hell and the Kate Bush video. So essentially, Kate Bush videos are all like purgatory. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just listening to some of her songs is definitely like being in purgatory. Um, and that is more or less all of my points about the black hole. Yes. If you want to watch it, it's on Disney+. Plus. Yes. Along with a load of crap. <laughs> well, we got Disney+, Plus because I thought it was going to be quite good. I think it's worth it for every episode of The Simpsons. You reckon? Yeah. £54 a year? I'm going to watch all the episodes of The Simpsons. Okay. And probably all the Marvel films again at some point. Yeah, that's what's... Yeah, Yeah. I suppose they're all on there. And that new Mandalorian series. Oh, yeah, that's worth it, too. I may have illegally watched that already. Yes. (laughs) And there's going to be Marvel TV shows with Loki and stuff in them. Yeah, so it'll be worth it in the end. It'll be worth it. So, did you have any highlights? Any bits you particularly liked about the black hole? I liked all the fight scenes mm-hmm. and yeah. the end. The fight scenes are <laughs> hilarious. Like, I found myself laughing all the way through. I them. was happy when it was the end. Yeah, you liked it when the credits rolled. Yeah. Oh, so, so miserable. So miserable. <laughs> These films are delightful. Old movies. I'm picking the next film. Okay. Well, have a think about what you want to watch then. <laughs> I would say my like general highlights were also the fight scenes because they made me laugh. They are good. Like the robots are the mm. people in the robots are obviously very good at it. Yeah, when it's people, because a lot of the time it's just models that yeah. fall off a cliff or something. Cliff or something. Yeah, <laughs> very exciting to watch. <laughs> what was your favourite part? Uh, the end. What just? <laughs> no. That's just so negative. Um, so negative. I would say the bit where the bad weirdo scientist man gets killed mm-hmm. i like that bit yeah there's quite there are some genuinely quite good scenes yeah there's some this. funny bits yeah. isn't there with the robots and that. yeah there's funny fights but some good acting as well there's a lot of good people in it yeah mm, yeah i think you'll be i would say the acting was all right yeah you're being unnecessarily harsh on this okay who's your favorite character i would say i'm gonna go with Vincent the Vincent the robot. robot. He grew on me. I hated him as the film began, <laughs> but he, yeah, he quickly grew on me. Yeah. I think Doctor Weirdo or Anthony Perkins for me. All right. Mm. Cool. Yeah. Very good. Very good. How many slices of cake out of twelve do you give the black hole? I'm gonna give it. I think six Ooh, Victoria Sponges and you don't like Victoria Sponge I do like Victoria oh, Sponge okay. so six is alright yeah not as good it as was alright not as good as Rain of Fire no <laughs> it really isn't as good as Rain of Fire it was good yeah it was alright it had some good bits mm. but in general it was pretty boring I think I can safely say at the moment there's nothing on Disney Plus that's better than Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, except obviously Star Wars, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. But you still think it's better than Star Wars? Oh, God, yeah. 
what am I going to do with you? <laughs> well, do I even need to ask the crucial question? Is the black hole better than Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves? No. No, it's not, is it? No. No, 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 no. Yeah. Well, there's no time phone this week because, as I mentioned, the hotly anticipated release of Controlling Tiger, a short film whose script was written entirely by a computer. All I did was name the characters. So it's time for you all to hear this movie. What's it called? Controlling, Controlling Tiger. Tiger. Yes. Have you seen it? There's like potentially a little big cat a little in big Cambridge. Cat. Oh yeah, there's always rumours about cats on the moors in England. Yeah. Out there. The picture looks pretty genuine. Well, I'm not disputing there's big cats, as yeah. in big domestic cats. Apparently it's the size of a Labrador. That's just a big cat then. That's not a big cat, big cat. I don't know. A it's Labrador a, is pretty big. It's just a large house cat. <laughs> house cats don't get that big. Some of them do. Some of them grow to monstrous sizes. Mm. Mm. I think it's a big cat. I think Joe Exotic's probably behind it. Or, or, more likely, Carol, Carol fucking Barking Baskin. Baskin. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, talking of tigers and tigers and stuff like that, let's uh, listen to Controlling Tiger. Controlling Tiger. A screenplay written by a computer. Exterior. St. Michael's Mount, Cornwall, afternoon. Sweet psychiatrist Mr. Michael Kane is arguing with a helpful homemaker, Tits McGee. Michael tries to hug Tits, but she shakes him off. Please, Tits, don't leave me. I'm sorry, Michael, but I'm looking for somebody a bit more brave. Somebody who faces his fears head on instead of running away. I am such a person. Tits frowns. I'm sorry, Michael. I just... I don't feel excited by this relationship anymore. Tits leaves. Michael sits down, looking defeated. Moments later, stable private detective Sir Sean Connery barges in, looking flustered. Goodness, Sean, is everything okay? I'm afraid not. What is it? Don't keep me in suspense. Ach, a tiger. I saw an evil tiger squash a bunch of baby birds. Defenseless baby birds? Gosh, defenseless baby birds. Blooming neck, Sean. We gotta do something. I agree, but I wouldn't know where to start. You can start by telling me where this happened. I was. I was. Sean fans himself and begins to wheeze. Focus, Sean. Focus. Where did it happen? Chippewa Square. Chippewa Square, Savannah. That's right. Chippewa Square, Savannah. Michael springs up and begins to run. Exterior, a road, continuous. Michael rushes along the street, followed by Sean. They take a shortcut through some back gardens, jumping fences along the way. Exterior, Chippewa Square, Savannah, shortly after. Seattle DeVille, a controlling tiger, terrorizes two baby birds. Michael, closely followed by Sean, rushes towards Seattle, but suddenly stops in his tracks. What is it? What's the matter? There. That's not just any old tiger, Sean. That's Seattle DeVille. Who's Seattle DeVille? Who's Seattle DeVille? Who's Seattle DeVille? Only the most controlling tiger in the universe. 
Blanca knickers, Michael. We're gonna need some help if we're gonna stop the most controlling tiger in the universe. You can say that again. Blanca knickers, Michael. We're gonna need some help if we're gonna stop the most controlling tiger in the universe. I am gonna need rainbows. Lots of rainbows. Seattle turns and sees Michael and Sean. She grins, an evil grin. Well, well, Michael Kane, we meet again. You've met? Yes, it was a long, long time ago. Exterior, a park, back in time. A young Michael is sitting in the park, listening to some drum and bass music, when suddenly a dark shadow casts over him. He looks up and sees Seattle. He takes off his headphones. Would you like some jelly tarts? Michael's eyes light up, but then he studies Seattle more closely and looks uneasy. I don't know. You look kind of controlling. Me? No, I'm not controlling. I'm the least controlling tiger in the world. Wait. What? You're a t you're a t tiger? Michael runs away screaming. <coughs> Exterior, Chippewa Square, Savannah, present day. You were a coward then and you're a coward now. You're run away, Michael. I was a young child, Sean. What was I supposed to do? Michael turns to Seattle. I may have run away from you then, but I won't run away this time. Michael runs away. He turns back and shouts, I mean, I am running away now, but I'll be back. And this time, with rainbows. I'm not scared of you, Michael Kane. Well, you fucking should be. Interior, a sweet shop, later that day. Michael and Sean walk around searching for something. I feel sure that I left my rainbow somewhere around here. Are you sure? It does seem like an odd place to keep deadly rainbows. You know nothing, Sean Connery. Well, we've been searching for ages, Michael. I really don't think they're here. Suddenly, Seattle appears, holding a pair of rainbows. Looking for something? Crikey, Michael. She's got your rainbows. T Tell me something I don't already know. The Earth's circumference of the equator is about 40,075 kilometres. I know that already. I pickle my earwax and I keep it in a jar under my bed. Oh, God, that's fucking disgusting. While Seattle is looking at Sean with disgust, Michael lunges forward and grabs his deadly rainbows. He wields them triumphantly. Prepare to die, you controlling parsnip. No, please. All I did was squash a bunch of baby birds. Tits enters, unseen by any of the others. I cannot tolerate that kind of behaviour. Those baby birds were defenceless. They were only 17 years old. Well, now they have a defender. And that's me, Michael Kane, defender of innocent baby birds. Don't hurt me, please. Give me one good reason why I shouldn't use these rainbows on you right away. Because, Michael, I am your mother. 
Michael looks stunned for a few moments, but then collects himself. No, you're not. Oh, well, it had to be worth a try. Seattle tries to grab the rainbows, but Michael dodges out of the way. Who's the mummy now? Huh? Huh? Unexpectedly, Seattle slumps to the ground. Did she just faint? I think so. Well, that's disappointing. I was rather hoping for a more dramatic conclusion involving my deadly rainbows. Michael crouches over Seattle's body. Be careful, Michael. It could be a trick. No, it's not a trick. It appears that it would seem Seattle Deville is dead. What? Yes, it appears that I scared her to death. Sean claps his hands. So, your rainbows did save the day after all. Tits steps forward. Is it true? Did you kill the controlling tiger? Tits, how long have you been? Tits puts her arm around Michael. Long enough, Michael. Then you saw it for yourself. I killed Seattle Deville. Then the baby birds are safe? It does seem that way, yes. A crowd of vulnerable baby birds enter, looking relieved. You are their hero, Michael. The baby birds bow to Michael. There is no need to bow to me. I seek no worship. The knowledge that Seattle Deville will never squash baby birds ever again is enough for me. You are humble as well as brave. One of the baby birds passes Michael a shiny necklace. I think they want you to have it as a symbol of their gratitude. I couldn't possibly accept. Well, alright, maybe if you insist. Michael takes the necklace. Thank you, baby birds. The baby birds bow their heads once more and leave. Michael turns to Tits. Does this mean that you want me back, Tits? Oh, Michael, of course I want you back. Michael smiles for a few seconds, but then looks defiant. Well, you can't have me. What? You had no faith in me. You had to see me scare a tiger to death before you would believe in me. I don't want a lover like that. But, Michael... Please, leave. I want to spend time with the one person who stayed with me through thick and thin. My best friend, Sean. Sean grins. But, Michael... You heard the gentleman. Now be off with you. Go on. Skedaddle. Shoo. Fuck off. Michael. I'm sorry, Tits, but I think you should skedaddle and shoo and fuck off. Tits leaves. Sean turns to Michael. Did you mean that? You know that I'm your best friend. Of course you are, Sean. The two walk off arm in arm. Suddenly... Sean stops. You know, Michael, earlier when I said I'd I pickle my earwax and keep it in a jar under my bed, you know I was just trying to distract the tiger, don't you? Of course you were, Sean. You are a good man. The end. Well, that was... 
quite an effort by the uh, computer there. A very long effort. It was very punishingly long, I would say. Um, yeah. What was the end again? Uh, they defeated the tiger. And he didn't want the woman anymore. He didn't want Tits McGee anymore. And oh. Michael Caine and Sean Connery went off together. Together, holding hands as, like broke back lines. As friends, yes. Because <laughs> friendship will overcome always. And that is a great message to take <laughs> from that. Friendship will always overcome what? The tigers. Tigers. <laughs> and there you have it. So, yeah, that was that was a movie written by a computer. Yes. And that is why a computer should, should not, not write, write movies. <laughs> Did you think wow. that was as good as Black Hole? No. <laughs> I thought Black Hole was better. So, yes, that's all we've got time for this week. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. I at, hope you enjoyed that. At Pete and Fran Pod or Robin Hood Pod. Or you can get in touch with us on Podchaser by looking on the Pod Nation list on podchaser.com. There's 40 great podcasts on there, and there'll be promos for some of those podcasts throughout this episode. Go check them out. Thanks for all your input, etc. Keep yeah. listening, tell your friends, leave five-star reviews. Hope you enjoyed it. Yes. Don't watch The Black Hole. Or do, for balance. Do watch The Black Hole and all other things that are good. Yes. Yes. Okay, next week, more stuff. Well, I get to pick the film next week. Yeah, Fran will pick the movie. Ooh. How exciting. <laughs> Could be anything. Yeah. Right, we'll see you next week, everyone. Ta ta. Goodbye. Bye, bye, bye. Hi and welcome to Halfway to History. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Kylie. And this is a podcast where we talk about the upcoming week but a long time ago. And sometimes not so long ago. So if you enjoy history and comedy, then do we have the show for you. We cover all sorts of topics from pop culture to ancient history with some fiction thrown in just for fun. Like episode 14, The Nefarious Nodule, where we play a choose-your-own-adventure game. Or episode 33, Water, Earth, Fire, Molasses, where I cover the Great Molasses Flood of 1919 in Boston. Or if you're into conspiracy theories, check out episode 11, Eldritch Witches, where I hunt down a teleporting ship. Or if you're feeling nostalgic, check out episode 15, You Meddling Nords, where I take a spin in the mystery machine with Scooby-Doo and the gang. Are you into science? Because I dive into the immortal genes of Henrietta Lacks in episode 18, Hella Big Dynamite. And for anyone who loves musicals as much as I, check out episode 22, Defying Ancestry, where I spend one short day talking about my favorite musical, Wicked. Halfway History is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or your favorite podcatcher. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Halfway History, or visit our website at halfwit-history.com. And as always, I've been your Halfwit. And I'm your historian. And we hope you'll give us a listen. Bye! Our history, though short, is wrought with events that transform our existence. Locked away and hidden within sacred vaults exists a treasure trove of events, inventions, and stoic occurrences hoping to shine once more. These gems have many facets, 
Some shine like beacons of hope and others are dim with warnings of future transgressions. Sometimes history is easily accessible and this is the history that we know by teachings. But what of the history that we were never taught? Sometimes we must act as thieves to steal the locked treasures of history and find out what secrets lie beneath. Join us as we pick the locks, open the hidden artifacts, and bring these treasures back from whence they came. Only on Ransack History, presented by Sounded Heart.